Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Hi, everybody. My name is Jay Nathan. Uh, really nice to, to see you all today. Um, my grandparents grew up in a town called Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, where they used to play street games during the Great Depression with a guy named Lee Iacocca. Um, and you may recognize Lee Iacocca's name. He, um, he started working for Ford Motor Company in 1946. He sort of progressed the company and in 1970 became the president of Ford Motor Company. Uh, he, he did that for eight years, and then he was fired by Henry Ford in 1978. So he lost his job. Um, and soon thereafter, he was hired by, by an American company called Chrysler Corporation. Um, and uh, within a few years, he had taken that company. Actually, Chrysler had just, uh, had just they had gone under. They had been, become bankrupt. Um, but after a few short years, they were posting record profits, and they became one of the great American business stories of the, of the 20th century. Um, so Lee, Lee Iacocca, he lived through the Great Depression as a kid. He ran Ford. Uh, he got fired by Henry Ford. Uh, he basically resurrected Chrysler, which is a dead company. Um, this guy dealt with a lot of tough things, a lot of difficulty in his life. And here's what he had to say. He said, in times of great stress or adversity, it's always best to keep busy, to plow your anger and your energy into something positive. And so I feel like that's what we're here to do uh, today, which is, you know, just focus on some positivity during this uh, tricky time. Um, so as you guys know, on Tuesday, I put out a LinkedIn post uh, looking to get a group of CS leaders to talk uh, together to talk about the new challenges we're all facing and share some ideas on how we could move forward. Um, two days later, here we are. There are almost 100 people registered. So um, there's about 50 of us on the call right now doing just that. So, um, you know, these are certainly unprecedented times. I think it even sounds a little trite to say that. I mean, it's, it's obvious. Uh, but I believe to my core that we weather the storms in community with one another. We get better as individuals in community. And um, we elevate our profession and our craft as community. And so thank you for each of you guys for being here today uh, for this discussion. Um, we turned this into a little bit of a panel discussion, given the size of the response that we had. I, I figured we'd have 10 or 12 people who wanted to do this. And like I said, we had over, over 100 people uh, registered to do this with us. So um, it became clear to us by Tuesday that we needed to maybe, you know, uh, try, try a little bit different format. So today we're going to be running this as a virtual panel. So I wanted to introduce to you guys uh, our four panelists. Uh, many of you have probably seen these guys on, on LinkedIn and, and probably even at community events and whatnot. But Megan Bowen, who's based in New York, is uh, VP of Customer Success at Platters. Hey, Megan. Uh, Ziv Pellet, who is Chief Customer Officer at uh, Apps Flyer. Uh, he is in Israel right now, uh, where he's based. Aaron Thompson is General Partner of Success Hacker. And then Cheryl Hawk, who's uh, held uh, a bunch of different VP of CS jobs in Silicon Valley over the years, but Conversica, White Hat Security, where she and I initially met, uh, most recently Agari, and um, she uh, is currently doing a little bit of work with us right now at Customer Imperative. So, um, so glad to have these four um, mega minds here around customer success. So we're just gonna we're gonna jump right in and see how this goes. Thanks for for bearing with us. Ask questions as we go, and and uh, and we'll get going. Okay. So, Megan, I'm gonna start with you. Um, team member communication and engagement tricky right now. Everybody's like in this euphoria of virtual meetings for the first time. Everybody's showing everybody their kids and their dogs, but How's it going so far with your team? Like, how, how's that working out for you? And what, what have you changed here recently? 
Absolutely. Um, thanks, Jay, for having me and for organizing this. And hello to everybody on the line. Um, I hope you guys are all um, healthy and doing well and, and staying positive during this wild ride. We're all on together. Um, yeah, I think certainly what you just described has been um, a really big adjustment for everyone. Um, a couple of uh, principles that I've been focused on to guide sort of my actions during this time have really been um, over-communicate. Um, I think because everyone is so distributed and alone um, and things are so uncertain, um, it's even more important to communicate um, probably more than you think you should. And so um, we've been instituting things like daily morning stand-ups. We've been creating lots of different Slack channels for different groups, um, have been communicating important updates over email, um, getting the whole company together for town hall meetings and updates. Um, and so I think just at a baseline, making sure that you're doing all of that um, and finding ways to uh, connect with folks more spontaneously or, or in an ad hoc basis, just like you would if you were in an office. Um, we've also been having some fun. And so we've been trying to keep you know, morale high and keep spirits positive. And so we've been doing a lot of fun work from home challenges via Slack. So you know, uh, we had a best dress day. So everybody dressed up and took photos of themselves uh, to Slack in. Uh, we're asking people to send in, you know, what they're making for lunch, um, you know, what their morning workout routine might be, um, their favorite coffee mug, um, you know, their best joke. And so we, we've been having these fun daily challenges, and it's um, actually been really um, a positive way to uh, have people connect with one another. Um, we've even had little, uh, almost like MTV crib style tours of all of our houses. <laughs> um, <laughs> So people can kind of uh, really get to know one another a little bit better. Um, and uh, all of that's actually really gone a long way. So our, our team has even created a calendar for the next few weeks um, with some new and creative ideas so we can you know, keep that going. Um, I think the other important thing is not only communicating just to check in with folks, but also making sure you're letting everybody know what the company is doing during this time and the actions that we're taking. So whether we're deploying customer communication um, or we're, uh, you know, sort of launching a new initiative as a result of what's happening, um, continuing to make sure that everyone is aware of what's going on. So those have been sort of the, the top things that have been working really well um, and what I think are sort of mo most important. Um, but I'll pause there so someone else can chime in and, and share some of their uh, tactics and ideas. Yeah, how about you, Ziv? I know your team is broadly distributed across the globe. So how are you? you? You're probably doing some of this stuff initially already. How are you guys? How are you guys handling it? Yeah, so I I, I have a few thoughts here, and uh, I think also uh, looking at this crisis. So we have teams in China, Japan, Korea. So we also we saw this uh, issue starting uh, early, and we saw how they adopt and how they started to work from home around uh, end of January, beginning of February, and then, uh, but they, they kept working. Um, and then uh, I think that, uh, that that led to our global team learn uh, more and, and, and uh, I'll say faster. Uh, and I think that um, one point uh, more that I want to share, I think that for us customer success managers, I think uh, that's, um, it's it's easier for us to change uh, uh, work to uh, from remote. Most of our work is remote. Uh, we we have our enterprise customers that we use to do face to face with them, and uh, I think we need to uh, uh, just a little bit adjust there. I think that the the biggest uh, challenge that we have right now is working with kids at home. 
that's going to be the biggest challenge. And also what will be the, for how long are we going to work like that uh, worldwide? I think those are the, 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 the big questions and the, the things that we need to look at. I think our company, I, I think we're, we're doing an amazing job around that. So we have now three times a day coffee, coffee time. So it's company-wide coffee time. And I think that's, that's uh, one of the biggest advantages that I'm thinking, uh, taking out of, those, of this crisis is that I get to engage with lots of people in my team and, and with other teams that I couldn't before. Because we have 18 offices and uh, as much as I try to be in the US, both in New York and San Francisco and, and then in some other places, I'm as an, an, ex as an executive, I'm, I'm not getting to engage like I'm getting to engage now. Now, uh, speaking in four or five weeks from now, I can, I can share more about what I think about this productivity, uh, if it's productive enough or not. But. Absolutely. Aaron, I know you, uh, you had to run your first. Um, so, Aaron, if you don't know, uh, Success Hacker, uh, they, they do training for CSM team certification. So, Aaron, you had to run your, one of your first virtual certifications. Curious how that went. It looked like from your LinkedIn post, it went pretty well. But what challenges yeah. did you face? Well, you know, we've been doing it for years, this remote coaching concept. We've just never taken what we do in an in-person environment, a two-day intensive, eight-and-a-half to nine-hour days, and put it in a remote environment. We do very much more sporadic, right? Over a 12 week program or something. So we were, I think, uniquely positioned for this sort of shift in how we are all existing now. Um, and it went well, you know, people uh, really actually enjoyed it. We got a lot of comments around just the community factor. That's why we're doing the happy hours on Friday. You know, as we're all sort of experiencing this, um, I was struck by, you know, we have to be physically distant, but that thing, that means we should be more emotionally near and uh, take whatever we, we can, you know, what, whether it's the coffee or the, the crib style, uh, you know, here's my house kind of thing. Um, it, it, we can use this as a great opportunity to actually build our teams to be closer than they would have been had we all been meeting in a, in a neutral place, you know, it makes it more personal uh, while somehow being more physically distant. Um, and then I saw, I saw a question come up on the chat actually around like babies and dogs and animals or whatever, you know, like, and we're all sort of balancing kids. Like, so they just announced it. I live in Portland, Oregon. They just announced that schools closed until the end of April. We're all sort of bracing for the next announcement of that. It's just closed for the rest of the year. And we'll just, you know, wipe out 2020, pretend like it didn't happen, hit reset button and, and start over again next year. Right. Um, and so as we're doing that, like, if we can try to be front of mind with that emotionally near concept, even though physically distant, um, I think we all can, can have a lot more grace with people who have kids and babies and dogs barking and sort of the things that used to be faux pas because we're all now in this same boat. You know, I remember working from home years and years ago before it was very common. And like, if I was on a webinar and the doorbell rang, like that looked really bad, you know? And if the dog barked, that looked really bad. And I think in this environment, I'm not saying forever that's going to be the case that we are maybe as lax, but for now, I think we can, we can kind of give each other uh, some grace to just understand we're, we're all doing the best we can. Um, and, and with that emotional connection, uh, it, it actually provides an opportunity to, to sort of get to know your team members, your customers, uh, and other folks. Like, I, I love that we're doing just this, the public happy hour thing, you know, like, I, I don't know how many people we're going to meet, but it'll be a lot more people than we would have if I had gone to a bar here in Portland and said, Hey, come have a beer with me, you know? So I think it actually provides an yeah. opportunity to create connection. It would be a lot more diverse as well. I would yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, 
you know, one, one of the comments that was made when we were talking about the babies and the dogs and doorbells and all that kind of stuff is like, what about professionalism? And okay, that might be cool with your team, but how are we, you know, how are we, do, do we still need to be trained? We need to focus on professionalism when it comes to communicating with our clients in a virtual way. So curious what the thoughts of the group are on that. I think as Aaron was just saying, I think um, we're kind of all in this together in a weird way. So I think people are bonding more easily just over, um, you know, but all of us being human and being in this unprecedented situation. And so I think, um, I think we have a window of time where um, just being authentic and kind and honest about what's happening um, will actually really, uh, I think, create a lot of goodwill with our customers. I think whenever I'm speaking with customers this week, last week, as this has been going on, um, I'm speaking to them like I'd speak to my best friend. Um, I'm like, how are you doing personally? Like, what's going on in your life? Um, are you okay? Um, and then, you know, we see where that conversation goes. And so, um, my approach with customers is you lead with humanity and empathy and kindness. And I think, you know, laugh a little bit if, you know, some of these, you know, the dog barks, uh, the doorbell rings, whatever it is. So that, that's been my experience so far and, and my approach. Yeah. Tons of humanity coming out right now, which is really refreshing, honestly. Yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, I want to jump in on that actually with, with what Megas pointed on sort of the humanity of it. I mean, customer success at its core, the thing that I love about it is the people and the people who are attracted to it. And the reason I like that so much is because what it really is all about is about the human. We're account management. Our allegiance lies with the account. And in customer success management, our allegiance lies with that person and making that person's life better, make them successful, thought leadership in their own space, et cetera. And what a unique opportunity here we have now to get inside our customer's home and get in, you know, like in a week, not, not in a weird way, but you know what I mean? Like get to know them in a different sort of way and they get to know you. And so just being open about that. Uh, we had a customer on our, on our two day workshop this week that uh, she actually had a babysitter come because she has a very young baby and she was like, I won't be able to really concentrate. And so she had a babysitter for two days, come to her home and, and, and hang out with her, her baby. Um, but on breaks, right. She gets to see her baby as opposed to we were going to be in New York. And that would have been awesome, but you know, she would have still needed a babysitter and she wouldn't have gotten to see her kid at lunch. So, you know, there are pros on the sort of humanity side of it. And I think if you get creative, like I have a giant whiteboard right there that I can wheel right behind me. It takes up the entire shot behind me. And so I can just stand up and whiteboard right here and then get back in front of the camera and you make the best of it. And you can actually still deliver, I think, a very high quality interaction, whether for me, it's training and certifying people in customer success. And for a lot of people, it's, servicing their customers and, and going through the business reviews and all the things that we do from a tactical perspective, you can still be really, really effective. I think we're in a nice convergence of where technology is with all the web conferencing capabilities and this catastrophic, unprecedented situation hitting at the exact same time. This would have been a lot worse 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I would like to add something here. I think that what uh, one of the things that you said, and I think it's uh, a lot about uh, the things that I'm promoting uh, out of my vision and the things that I'm building uh, currently within AppSlayer. It's the aspect of relationship. I think that uh, customer success management is started as a support and then was focused on value and should always be focused on value, but we are developing more and more on the relationship aspect. And I think that uh, that's, that's where we will see the super successful customer success organization or the managers, the individual contributors where they will shine in this moment. They already have those great relationships. Uh, the champions that they work with, they will do everything for them because they know 
that those customer success managers are, are their best friends. And I think that that's that definitely a great subject for maybe the next call. Can uh, I'll be happy also to show what we are building now in Salesforce around that. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, um, Cheryl, I want to get your take on this. Um, you know, we, we have, I'm sure there are people on our teams who are starting to get nervous about where the economy goes from here. I know, like, I have my moments, like, and it's usually, like, work is, a, is an escape for me right now. I was telling somebody this yesterday, I think it might have been Donna. Um, it's actually good to come to work because I'm focused on something. I'm, I'm putting all my energy there, but then I go start watching the news and, and you know, reading the, the articles and the sensationalism around this, which is, you know, some of it warranted, some of it not. But, you know, how do you deal with your team who may be getting nervous about, you know, where the economy goes, especially if you're in one of these industries or serving one of these industries that's, that's hard, hard hit, like transportation, supply chain, uh, that sort of thing. How do, you, how do you sort of quell those fears in the team? So I think that um, a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, having calls like this with your team, Right, so one-on-ones <clears throat> -on -ones and team meetings are probably never more important than they are right now. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, and talking through that. And then the other thing is everybody's got uh, you know and has relied on tribal knowledge um, for uh, a lot of things that they do. And I think it's really important to recognize that you're going to be building new tribal knowledge, uh, and that everybody's going to be uh, contributing to building that tribal knowledge. So you have a real opportunity um, to, to grow and, and really brainstorm about how your, your solution, how you can tether that to, you know, kind of the achievement of business outcomes. And it could be different today than it was two weeks ago, right? <clears throat> like I heard a radio commercial that was like for, I think, ADT. And I know it's, that's uh, consumer, but, um, and it was, they were advertising how their technicians, you know, like wash their hands and sanitize the surfaces. And so things that didn't exist as features or benefits three weeks ago, um, you could have those in your solution today um, or tomorrow that you can start talking about. Um, that make you more relevant to, because not just your teams, right, are, are concerned, but your customers' teams are concerned. And how do you, how can you make yourself um, more relevant and looking at, you know, if your champions are concerned about their jobs, um, <clears throat> how can you make them a hero? So it's, there's a business outcome, but how can you help them rise above the noise? That was kind of a long answer. No, it's perfect. Um, so this is great. I, I think there, there's um, so there's a lot of tricks to the trade. I mean, you go read LinkedIn; it's all over the place, like how people are are engaging with their teams right now. But let's maybe shift a little bit toward uh, customer engagement. So obviously, it could be tricky just to get people's attention right now um, and and get them to to spend any time with you at all. We had somebody sign up who said they have a customer call during this. And I was like, that's great. I'm glad you have a customer call. <laughs> so by all means, we'll record this for you. Um, but uh, so, you know, how do we, how do we begin to engage customers without being sort of threatening and annoying to them or just distracting them in a place in a time when they need to focus. So who uh, maybe Div, I'll, I'll toss that one to you first. How are you guys beginning to get a beat on what's going on with your, with your actual customer accounts? 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the things that I'm uh, again surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm I'm, I'm looking at the a few of the metrics that we have for engagement, uh, um, the messages we have uh, between uh, us and customers, uh, the upsell and feature adoption indications of this month, uh, and on support side the number of tickets. And I don't see any decline for for now. So I think on, on that on that front we are uh, great. The from the calls I did uh, so far with our uh, some of the individual contributors, I heard that uh, we're getting more personal with customers. That uh, I think that there's an opportunity here. So uh, customers are getting on the calls uh, easier, and I heard about customers that uh, usually they won't open video. Now they open video. Now they enable a video on Zoom. So. I think we, we have a huge, I think this call is amazing and I think it's great because, uh, you know, I, I want to share my vision, my ideas, and I want to uh, hear as, as many ideas as possible because I want to improve all the time. And I think that uh, this is uh, what you said about the, the quote you, you mentioned in the beginning. Uh, in, uh, in these times, definitely, we, knew, we need to invest in ourselves, invest in our companies, invest in, in everyone. Uh, but I also, I want to share. And, and, and I, I think that, uh, we have a huge opportunity now uh, to help our customers. So yeah, business will uh, might decline a little bit. We'll see. We'll see uh, some layoffs, and uh, this is why we need to share. Why we need to help our community. But for the majority of ours, I think that we we are going to work a lot harder. We are going to serve more customers, uh, and we need to see how we can excel. Because in the end, uh, and I think Aaron mentioned that, and I saw other people mention that. It's going to be much, much, much more important now, uh, the revenue that we can generate and expand from the existing customers. Because uh, we are not, some of, the com some of our companies are not going to have new customers soon. Absolutely. Megan, what would you add to that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, sort of to expand on the point that I was making before, I think that I'm really guiding my team to lead all client communication, whether it's email, Zoom calls, phone calls, or otherwise, to really lead with humanity and, and empathy. I think this is an opportunity for people, um, as Ziv said, to really solidify relationships um, and connect on, on that human level. Um, and then, you know, I think our, our offering is, uh, is interesting because it's really meant to be uh, experienced within the office. And so it's also been a really interesting time for us to learn about how our customers are uh, trying to sort of keep their employees connected and continue to uh, create, you know, great morale and build culture, you know, through this. And so, you know, we position platters as, um, you know, an employee experience and culture builder. Um, and we primarily do that through food. And so um, we've been having great brainstorming calls with our clients and, you know, they're coming to us and saying, you know, what do you recommend and what are you doing and how can we keep our teams engaged? And so um, we're just finding ways to continue to add value, continue to build relationships. Um, and I think, you know, this is the time to um, you know, not be too assertive. Um, you know, if people aren't getting back to you, give them time. Um, I think it's important to really be sensitive, to call out the elephant in the room, ask about their personal well-being, and find out what they're struggling with and what they're trying to do and, you know, add value and, and help. And so, so far, that strategy has been working really well for us. Um, and I would say, I think sometimes I've, I've gotten feedback that um, you know, from some CSMs, should I even bother reaching out? Like, it's such a weird time. Is it insensitive to even communicate to begin with? 
Um, and I don't think it is. Um, any, all the customers that I've reached out to um, or you know, what I've heard from my team is people actually really appreciate like, hey, thanks for calling me and asking me how I'm doing. Like, I really appreciate that. Um, I think we're all, I think, continuing to crave social interaction because of you know, where we all are right social now. Social distancing? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that you know, it, it really goes a long way. And so I think, um, yeah, I, I agree with Ziv. It's, I think it's really it's an opportunity to, to strengthen relationships. It's an opportunity to show them that you know, we care about them, not necessarily you know, the revenue that they provide, but um, we care about them as humans. And if they have other challenges that we're equipped to help with, um, you know, we're here for them and we're, we're happy to do it. I'd also add that um, something I'm trying to do personally for my team and also for customers is, um, you know, lead by example. It's important to, you know, stay calm, stay positive. Um, you know, we will get through this. This too shall pass. And I think there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear out there with our team members, with our customers. Um, and I think, you know, where you can focus on, um, you know, exuding that positivity, that calmness, um, you know, putting things into perspective for other people, um, that's really valuable. You know, we all have our moments where, like you mentioned, Jay, where you kind of get in your head for a minute. And I think that's how I think we can all really help each other through this time. And it goes for our customers as well. Yeah, I want to add yeah. one more opportunity that I just thought about. So um, usually I say that marketeers, uh, people that uh, uh, we are serving, so they around roughly, let's say, every two years they change jobs and then it's an opportunity. If we serve them well, then we, they want to uh, work with us again. Uh, what will happen after this crisis, many of the people that we work with, they will change companies and we have a huge, huge opportunity to get more prospects in the door. When, when this is over. Man, that's a huge point. That's a great point. Um, I want to call out a, a comment. David Allen, I'm going to put you on the spot in a minute because I really like what you said. Um, so let's remember that in terms of customer engagement that their needs may be changing as our needs are changing. We should be asking how, they're in, how their engagement with their customers is changing. Like how, literally, like what, what is their world looking like and what we can do to assist them with that. Um, maybe there are new opportunities out there to assist that didn't exist a few weeks ago, maybe even last week. Um, so a phrase that I've been using a lot this week is necessity is the mother of invention. And uh, I think, I mean, even a call like this is sort of evidence of that. Like we're learning things that I never dreamed we'd need to know, <laughs> at least last week. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Cheryl, you got any thoughts on that and how that, you know, how, how we learn about what our customers' customers are experiencing as well, because that actually is the crux of it, right? We want them to be customer-focused, just like we're customer-focused. Right. Well, and that's where a lot of their, some of their anxiety is going to come from, right? Depending upon how, what's happening to their customers uh, will impact their business, right? And so I think that uh, definitely asking, you know, beyond the, once you get past how are you, what's going on, you know, you see the kids, hear the dogs in the background, um, you know, kind of, you know, what's happening in your, in your meetings, what's happening in your exec team meetings, what are your, what, how are you guys pivoting to respond to your customers, um, and, and how can I help, um, and people will respond to that, you know, like, what can we do to help you respond to your customers, um, and, and even, you know, and what are you doing? Because you could, you could come upon a solution that you might not have, have thought of before. 
so let, let's switch to a little bit more of a, um, maybe this is what I would think of a harder hitting topic. So um, Ben Bunting has a question. Do, uh, Jeff and Willow, did Ben want to actually ask the question out loud? I can, yeah. So everyone can cool. hear me, right? Hey, Jeff. Hey, Ben. Yeah, we got you, man. So it was good timing when I saw your post uh, in terms of renewals, and that's what I focus on. We're a SaaS company. Obviously, we live and die by our 12- and 24-month renewals. Uh, but then now, more than that, it's even before we get to the upcoming renewals that I'm worried about, it's uh, customers coming and asking for freezes. Like, hey, can we just freeze our account here? And we have a, you know, we do have travel uh, customers that are majorly impacted. We have other industries that are going to be majorly impacted. So within, what, five days, we already have a few. And so it's become obviously a hot topic, and that's the meeting I just left presenting on how we should respond. Uh, so that's my question to the group. I have, you know, my thoughts on what I think we're going to do of how we respond right now. But it's just going to happen more and more, I think, uh, depending on how, how long this goes, of customers saying, can we just freeze our account for the time being? And I'm curious uh, if you guys have dealt with that or have any thoughts, or I can share mine too. Yeah, I can jump in. Um, so I think that this is really tough, especially based on your business um, and, and what stage your business is at and you know what the actual revenue impact is. Um, what I've been doing um, sort of on my side to try and navigate requests like this um, is um, try to think creatively if there's some type of option that can work for all parties. So not necessarily saying yes to the explicit request, but um, you know, clearly if the customer is reaching out, it's because their business might be impacted, their cash flow might be impacted, and they're looking for help to navigate that issue. Um, you know, all of us have our own businesses that we need to, you know, keep healthy as well. And so it's really trying to be creative and search for um, some compromises or some win-wins. So whether, um, you know, my business is more of a transactional marketplace versus a, a SaaS business. So the dynamics are a little bit different, but um, you know, can the burden be shared across multiple individuals? So, you know, we're all, we're all helping and we're all benefiting, um, you know, or if your business is healthy enough and it is possible, um, I think that uh, allowing sort of people, people, customers, especially in difficult times, you know, to pause or to get some type of break on cost, um, I, I actually think, you know, that's playing the long game and that they're gonna remember how you responded and it will solidify that partnership. And as things return back to normal, they're gonna remember that gesture. Um, but I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to this. I think you really need to evaluate the health of your business, um, the customer situation, and whether there's an option you can deploy that um, can work for everybody um, and doesn't put anyone at any particular disadvantage, um, but definitely a hard one. Yeah, I, I led to that. I think that, uh, by the way, it's, I think it's a part of a very, it's a more generic case of uh, sometimes you have customers, not in this crisis, that they need to down, downgrade. And I don't like to call it downgrade. I, I'd like to call it right size. So let's say that you have the customer that uh, is at 200K last year, but this year they can pay 100K. Do you want the 100K or do you want the 100K uh, to go to one of your competitors? Then definitely not. Uh, I think this is the same case that if we will not care for our customers, so I'm, I'm not owning anything commercial and I'm speaking with the COO and I'm pushing uh, some of our GMs in different areas sometimes to do those right sizes. And I believe that in this crisis, we will have to care about our customers. Um, I think it will go long, a long way. Uh, and not only that, I'll even, even broaden it a little bit. 
Uh, if we go now, again, like uh, in, in our business and we are the leader in our market, if we go to some of our prospects and tell them that uh, we will take care of them in 2020 and even 2021. So if they sign a, a contract today for three years and we will only charge them for 2022, uh, it will be a huge opportunity for us to win the business. So that's uh, some of the discussions we have now in management. The, the first thing that comes to mind on, for me on this is reverting back to your customer segmentation strategy and whatever your intelligent service model looks like, right? So, I mean, there's different ways to segment your customer base, ARR being one of them, but you've also got proximity to your ICP, ideal customer profile, strategic importance, what vertical they may be in. And depending on where this request comes from, if it comes from my high mid, low touch customer, I'm going to probably have a different answer. Uh, especially if they are in a vertical that we are trying to break into, right? And so they may need uh, a little pass or, or whatever. And to, to Megan and Ziv's point, like if we take care of them now, they're going to remember that's playing a long game for sure. But there's probably going to be other customers where they're not an ICP. They're a stretch customer. They're a bad fit customer. They don't pay us that much revenue today. And I would probably actually push back and just kind of say, no. And if, if they leave, that's okay. You know, you're not going to fire a customer, but if they are in a position that they can't uphold their part of the agreement. Um, my first question would be, well, what's changed around your desired outcome? Like what does your objective that you originally hired us to achieve still exist in your world? And if not, then we shouldn't be in your world anyway, you know, and because that very well could have been the case. Um, but if it does and they just can't now pay for it, I would look at sort of where they fall in our, our own business strategic discussions. Um, and then basically if you can, uh, float that and give them a, you know, a credit or, or get creative. All you're doing is still delivering on their outcome, their desired outcome, but now you're aligning more effectively with their desired experience in the, in these unprecedented times. And so those two collectively, now you've actually increased the quantification of customer success for that customer. And that should to the, to the points before come back around. Um, and it's probably the right thing to do, but that doesn't mean that our businesses can withstand that, you know, like we have to be intelligent with how we do that. We can't say yes to everybody just because that's the right thing to do. Um, and so we need to be smart so that we can support our own businesses because if we go out of business because we let everybody off their contract, right. now we can't do anything for anybody. Right. And so there's that's right. extremes on it. But um, I, you know, that's the first thing that came to my mind is like, who is this customer? Is this our most strategic, highest ARR, you know, most vocal, best advocate customer in our book of business? Or is it a long tail customer that as we moved up market, has really struggled to kind of stay in the proximity of what we would consider ideal. Um, and if, or is it somewhere in the middle, you know, and then that's, I think where you make the judgment calls, but there's gotta be some logic behind it and probably some sort of operationalizing of how you're going to handle these situations, but we should just, it's yeah. just another, a, a new, uh, but another uh, aspect to an intelligent service model that would kind of lean back on your segmentation. Yes, some of my customers are uh, airlines and uh, they uh, even, you know, put, they laid off people temporarily for a few months now, and, and they don't. They are not running any marketing campaigns right now, so uh, they don't need you. Yeah. So you yeah. Know, that, on that so, one, it so. would make sense to just say, you know, what? we you shouldn't be paying us. We can't deliver on yeah. an outcome that you need right now. Like if you know, like I'm not going to try to resell you. Um, and then once you are ready and you do have that need again, that we can that objective that we can fulfill, then we can actually deliver value. You'll realize it, and everything will be good. Everything will be good. Hey Ben, hey ben. we're gonna give you, give you give you the floor, you the floor to, to, to share your approach. All right, cool. So we obviously we really start 
at the level of trying to mess with our contracts as little as possible. And the biggest approach I, I preached to the company was if we take someone off the books, we freeze their account or they stop billing them, especially if things last longer than we hope to get that customer back to paying again will be very difficult, especially let's say it's, it is a travel client or a client is impacted greatly. They're going to have to start rebuilding. And so why start paying for a service that you gave up? So that's my biggest concern is you're trying to manage that relationship. But if you get them off the books, then my concern of getting them then back into paying you is a huge risk. So that's, that's, we're really trying to, to avoid messing with our contracts. So the payment terms was, was the first thing we're going to talk to them for, for the biggest thing. So, but it really comes down to messaging that I preached to the, to the team. And then my, my boss that said, we just got to help coach them that there are, at least in our case, very hard uh, costs associated with managing the account. It's not a software that everyone just shares the cost or domains and, and work associated with that account. And so if it's on, even if they're not using it, there's hard cost uh, associated to it. And we just got to walk them through that. Um, walk them through the fact that our aggressive pricing and the aggressive services like a CSM and a very involved CSM heavy touch um, work that we do is only possible because we know we have these 12 month or longer contracts and starting to mess with that and pause that and pick that apart just really crumples uh, what we're able to do for them. And then also say, look, we can't freeze. It's, it's either it's, if it's, it's gone, we can't just, there's no real freeze or we can't freeze all the people that we've have associated with the account. It's really trying to get person to person with them a little bit. Um, you know, make them look at us as less of a vendor and more a pay look. We're not a huge, you know, corporation. We're a private company with our own money. Um, you know, this, this isn't just a simple task. And so walking through that, and then it's a lot about, we just don't know. You know, I, I don't really want to say no to everybody because in two months this could be gone or it could be, you know, worse. And so to me, I, I'm telling them to make a business decision this big right now with only five days in is really putting us in a bad spot. You gotta give me more time. I don't know what we can do, but at least give me to April. Can I come back to you in April? And with a better idea of what your impact and our impact is on the situation. Because by then, maybe they've gotten their money off of a different vendor who was softer, and they're not going to bug us as much about it. Or it's 10 times worse, and at least we know them. We've got a, you know, all hands on deck, you know, do credits every month or something. So, um, so it eventually becomes a very professional stall tactic. Stall is kind of a negative way, but we just don't know. And so I'm trying to preach that to the, the client and saying, well, we don't know yet. You don't know, and we don't know. So give us until April, and let's talk again, because it might be changed. So that's what we're trying. Um, and it, that will, hopefully that works and we just narrow down the list with some of that messaging and let them maybe a, attack a vendor that, uh, is just going to say yes on the first request and they come back to us later. So we'll see. I'll let you guys know. You, you can email me. I'll tell you how it works. Um, I want to add one bit of like positivity. Um, so I talked to, uh, somebody last night, um, and somebody earlier this week where, they actually had customers reaching out to them wanting to renew early um, because they were worried the money was going to go away. And so, you know, remember, like this could be a little bit like an end of year situation where somebody's, you know, budgets are going to go away. And so, wow, it's super scary. There's still opportunity to, you know, to go after renewals, do some co-terming. If, again, it depends on how much you are a need to have, how much you help your champions be successful because they will fight for that, you know, and, and if people are, you know, these were companies that were being opportunistic and actually reaching out, but it changed the strategy um, of the teams to go and look at their account base to go, who else might fit this, you know, where we, we can get the money now and then somebody else later is not going to get the money. Right. Um, but you've secured renewals that, you know, you might not have been thinking about till later in the year. I like that approach, Cheryl. When they come and ask you to pause, say, no, nah, let's renew you. I like it. That's 
screen maybe early right now. We'll get you locked in. Then we can maybe pause. You know, maybe that's the answer. Right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you know i mean it's it's not the same for for everybody and there are there are pools uh of positivity that's you know sure great challenges all how, you, great how you position it yeah. right that's right um you know i, I think one, one of the comments in the in the chat says you know how, how can i make this renewal work for you i think that's great and I would add, like, here are three options that we've got for you right now. Like, to, to, to uh, uh, Megan's uh, point, I think it was, which is, you know, like, hey, we can either, you know, freeze you now, but we, we, we do that alongside of a renewal. That's okay. That's an okay conversation to have, right? Or you can do this or you can do that, right? And I think, um, you know, that gets to the idea of prescriptive versus custom. Like, the, the other thing we try to do in SaaS and in customer success is build prescriptive paths for our clients to go down. And I think this is no different, right? And it gets back to Aaron's point around segmentation and you know, who's in our ideal client profile, who's outside. Um, like, let's be real strategic in the way we think about this. Um, does anybody uh, want to talk about how they're adapting their segmentation strategy right now? I, I posted the other day about, um, you know, looking at your clients in three buckets. One is the ones who are just in crisis mode. Um, Ziv, I thought your example of the airlines, I mean, fantastic, best example on the planet right now. Uh, there's another class that's probably in a planning mode, so they're going to be okay, but they're probably tightening the belt and probably taking this as an opportunity to work on internal processes, and so you may be relevant to them. And then there's another class, which is they're thriving, right? I, I'm sure Zoom is a zoo right now because of all the activity that they're getting, and there are other industries that are that are probably similar. Um, but I'm curious, are any of you guys, uh, you know, maybe Ziv and Megan, I can zoom in on you for a second on this. How are you? How are you changing your segmentation strategy to sort of prioritize your accounts? Are you doing that by industry? Are you doing it, you know, ad hoc? Are you letting your CSMs decide? How's that going? Yeah, I can jump in. So yeah. I think um, oh, the the nature of our business is we um, you know deliver food to offices that feed their employees, and so there are industries and there are parts of the country where people are still working in offices, and so where that's the case, this is still a weird time and bringing people together over food is like the most ancient way to, you know, connect with people and build culture. So we are pivoting to some different geographies or, or different industries that are remaining open and that, you know, do still need this service. Um, it's also giving us an opportunity um, uh, to innovate. As you said, necessity is the, uh, you know, creates innovation. Um, and so we have a variety of new products that actually allow people um, to take advantage of a, a perk like that from anywhere, including their home. And so based on how companies are, you know, pivoting and defining their, you know, remote work strategy, um, you know, we're able to offer different solutions as needed. So it's definitely a paradigm shift. And I think, um, you know, I think with our traditional services, finding new industries or geographies that need us. And then um, for our existing customers that are at home and not in the office, um, finding other ways to support them. Um, and, and, you know, whether that's just purely adding value or actually offering a product that, that they'll purchase. And so we're, we're focused on doing both right now. Um, obviously being, you know, very sensitive to, you know, not be too aggressive on, on the sales side, um, given that we're still early in this and there's a lot of uncertainty um, around uh, what folks want to do. Pass it over to you, Ziv, though. That's all I got on this one. Yeah, so uh, thank you. Uh, we, we are not changing the segmentation as of now. And, you know, uh, lots of the things that we, we, we do for here for the last seven years is 
I rely on my individual contributor, customer success managers, and their common sense. Uh, they have uh, lots of tools, uh, lots of different things that they do on, on a regular basis. And I think that uh, for, for now, what I ask them to do mostly is to try and connect as much as possible and not impose on our customers. Just connect. And if, it's, if they are open, then we will, uh, again, like uh, the, the businesses that thrive will, uh, will even be part of their team. We'll work with them daily on a daily basis. If they need to run more campaigns, we will help them uh, uh, build those campaigns, which we usually don't. Uh, but uh, we will try not to impose uh, on, on, on customers so far. Yeah, that, I think that yeah, I heard Lincoln Murphy talking about this yesterday. The, the idea here is that, you know, we just need to connect to this point, And then we learn from what we hear when we do connect. And there are some customers we won't be able to, to contact. We won't be able to get in touch with them. That'll, that'll be one signal, right? And then there's another class that we will connect with. And we just need to learn from that. Don't be pushy. Don't push an agenda per se. But figure out what we can take from those conversations, match it up against what everybody else is hearing, and then we go back with a more formal approach to, to working with them at this point in time. So take the sort of the hypothesis approach to, to iterating on it. Ziv, Megan, Cheryl, Aaron, thank you guys for doing this. I know you're all super busy with your teams and your global presence and trying to keep everything on the rails in your own business. Um, the situation is obviously fluid, right? So um, I'm interested and excited to, to continue this on into next week. And it'll be interesting to see how the, how the discussion changes and what additional topics come up. We had a couple of other topics filter in, too, on the survey that we didn't get to today, but I want to acknowledge them. Um, and they're more of things that I would consider just your standard, you know, customer success strategy kind of questions. And they involve, like, CSM, sales to delivery, handoff, and transition, um, how to determine the right adoption goals, training and team development, scaling a CS team as a startup, post-onboarding engagement, um, how do we invest in automation? How do we hire appropriately? All that kind of stuff. So those are all great topics, um, and we are we would love to cover those. I think today we we thought let's just focus on the most pressing and most present you know issues that people are having. But uh, we'll tee some of these up for for next week and, and take the conversation a little bit more broad. I really appreciate everybody joining. Um, Aaron, I'm gonna toss it to you. Any final thoughts you want to share? Uh, you know, I, the, the only thing that I'll continue to reiterate. Customer success is about the human. It's about the person. It's not about the account and the company. And although we have to be physically distant, it's a great opportunity to be emotionally connected in a way that we've never been before with our customers. So let's take this as an, uh, this challenge and take it as an opportunity. Uh, and I'll be better for it when this does finally uh, come to an end. This too shall pass, as Megan said. Yes, it will. Awesome. All right, Ziv, you're next. Final thought. Um, I just say, you know, double down on everything. And I think uh, what we've what we done here today is uh, sharing and, and learning the double down on everything. Boom. I like it. Megan. I would say um, don't forget to take care of yourself um, and take care of the people around you. Um, I think kindness, empathy, and patience are the three most important things right now. So just be kind to one another. Love it. Cheryl, you're last but not least. <laughs> um, you know, I, I echo what Aaron said, you know, really, you know, be human. Remember that 
you know, life has changed for everyone. You know, it changed for you, for your teams. Even if you had a remote workforce before, you know, they have people, partners, spouses, kids, you know, now also at home in many places. And so, you know, um, really, you know, have, you know, empathy and compassion for, you know, what's happening. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys for taking the time to do this. All of you who joined, uh, we had a great crowd, over 50 people. Um, so go forth and prosper, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Thank you.